Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey folks, before we get to this week's episode of Positively Trek, I'd like to take a moment to give a special thanks and shout out to some of our Patreon supporters. It is you who makes it possible for us to bring you this show each week. So, thank you so much to Carl Morris, Joyce Marin, Jim Stoffel, Dave Garcia, Rick Young, and Paul D. Kinnear. To become a Patreon supporter of Positively Trek, simply go to patreon.com slash positivelytrek. You can join at any level, which will give give you early access to some episodes and access to other features, including associate producer credits and shout outs. Thank you so much to those of you who have already pledged to help out the show and to everyone else. Thank you so much for listening. And now let's get on with the show. What a weird week this has been. So On Wednesday evening, I got myself all hyped up for about two to three seconds of new Lower Decks tomorrow. And then I realized, oh no, the season's over. There is nothing new tomorrow. (laughs) Oh, that that makes me really sad. Yeah, I I mean, it's been an incredible season of Lower Decks. I loved all those episodes. But yeah, there was definitely something missing this week, not being able to tune in to new Star Trek. Yes, I mean, it's so depressing. It takes me back to those days of... 2006, 2007, 2008, on and on where I'm not getting new Star Trek. <laughs> How quickly we forget, right? You know, like, oh no, there's one week this this whole last few months where there's no Star Trek. Ugh. But yeah, no, this is, I mean, it's an embarrassment of riches of Star Trek, really. But yeah. <laughs> I know. It's, yeah, it's like... We're so spoiled now. And not only that, but next month we'll be getting two new episodes of Star Trek a week. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, we're getting even more spoiled. I I mean, the last time, I hadn't even thought about this. By the way, welcome everyone to Positively Trek. I'm Bruce Gibson with Dan Gunther, and we're talking about Star Trek, obviously, because this is called Positively Trek. But the thing I wanted to mention is that this will be the first time, and I'm I'm also saying this to make sure I'm right, so you, you, you check with me on this. But to get two Star Treks in the same week, two new Star Treks, we haven't had that since Voyager and Deep Space Nine. That's right. Yeah, the season seven of DS9 was the last time that we got two episodes of Star Trek in the same week. It, it's it's historic. We're, we're going back to the heydays of the late 90s. <laughs> yeah, because then DS9 ended 99, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, it it hasn't been since last century, last millennium, <laughs> that this happened. So, you know. Dang, 22 years ago. 
Wow. That's crazy to think about. I know, because I'm only 24. I mean, I, I guess I was two <laughs> years old. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Sure. Uh-huh. Yeah, tell mentally, us another one there, Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> mentally, my daughters will tell you I'm 13. So. Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> that I'll buy. I'll buy that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I get a lot more eye rolls and just turning around and walking away from my daughters than I've ever had in my life now. When I, Anytime I say something, it's just like a, ugh, from them. <laughs> oh, wow. But that's why I have Star Trek. You know, I can bond with that if I can't bond with them. Yeah, Star Trek, Star Trek will never leave you. That's, you know, that's the great thing. You know, I'm not a big Family Guy fan. I kind of haven't watched it in years, but one of the very early episodes, like I, I almost want to have kids just so I can use this line by Peter Griffin when Meg wants him to take her out uh, driving, practicing for her driving exam. And Peter's watching Star Trek and he says to her, well, daddy loves you, Meg, but daddy also loves Star Trek. And in all fairness, Star Trek was here first. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. I need to use that line. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my daughters both drive now. So my oldest is, well, as you hear this, she's turning 20 on the release of this date. Oh my gosh, 20. I will wow. no longer have two teenage daughters anymore. That's Yeah. And so scary. I don't, I, I, first of all, I don't understand how you were four years old when you, when you had a daughter. That's amazing. Uh, second of all, that's crazy. Yeah. I can't imagine. A 20-year-old daughter. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> she can't imagine it either. She says she still doesn't feel like she's older than 15. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell her that feeling never goes away. So, you know, brace yes. for that. <laughs> now, they don't roll their eyes or have problems when I start the car and start to drive away because I still say engage most of the time. And they, <laughs> they don't roll their eyes or do anything with that. And sometimes I'll say things like, like lately, I've been saying, let's fly. Nice. They don't, they don't have a problem with that one either. So. I like that. You know, I, I might have brought this up on the podcast before, but for me, it was always when I'm backing a vehicle out of the garage in my mind. I don't like do it out loud, but in my mind, the like stealing the Enterprise music from Star Trek three is playing. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever actually played the music while you're doing it, though? I may have done that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love that. I, s I swear, if I ever come to visit you, you have to do that with me. Mm -hmm. Oh, <laughs> yeah, we'll do the whole up. thing. Like, we'll back out really slowly, and we'll even have Sulu, like, we have cleared space doors. <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> and we're just moving, like, really slow, taking it all in. <laughs> <laughs> and now, Mr. Scott. <laughs> Sorry. The doors. <laughs> yeah, that would be fun. That would be crazy. I would love the neighbors to look out and go, what are they doing? And one of your neighbors just says, oh, it's Dan doing that Star Trek thing again. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but yes, yeah, speaking of Prodigy and Discovery, that we're going to have two new Star Trek shows at the same time. We have Prodigy coming out later this week on Thursday, at least in the United States, I feel really bad for some people in countries that aren't officially getting Prodigy 
mm-hmm. on their service. I mean, that that's going to cause a bit of a problem for us because we're actually going to be talking about the episodes and going into spoilers. So yeah, that's true. We're we're going to have sections of of upcoming episodes that that talk about spoilers about Prodigy. So yeah, we'll have to have some way for people to be able to skip those parts if they're not watching. Yes. So let's go ahead and talk about that real quick too. So we're making some shifts in how we do our shows. So as regular listeners know that we come out with our reviews of new Star Trek episodes on Mondays after the new episode has aired. Then on Tuesdays, we come out with what we call our flagship show. And this is the show where we talk about news. That's the one you're listening to now. We talk about Star Trek news and topics and have guests as interviews or whatever the the subject or the thing we want to just talk about, that would be on the flagship show on Tuesdays. And then every other Friday we release a book club episode. So what does that mean when we have prodigy and discovery? Does that just mean more episodes of this podcast? The answer to that is no, (laughs) (laughs) we just don't have the time nor the energy to do all that. So we are going to review Every episode of Prodigy as it comes out and every episode of Star Trek Discovery Season 4 as it comes out. But they'll be in one episode combined with anything that's going on in the news. So in other words, what I'm trying to say is you're going to get one super episode a week and you'll still get the book clubs every other Friday. But I think we're, what, thinking Tuesdays still? I think so, yeah. Yeah, our flagship show typically comes out on Tuesday, and I, I this will still be our flagship show because it'll be our, our main show every week. And the way I think about it is our flagship show, we talk about the week in Star Trek for the most part, you know, news and maybe a topic of discussion, that kind of thing. And in any given week where Star Trek, new Star Trek is airing, that's kind of the biggest thing from that week in Star Trek. So it kind of makes sense that, you know, that would be included there as well. So, you know, it's uh, you're still going to get us talking about the episodes and that sort of thing and the news of the week. It's just that our, our discussion topic that week will very probably be the the episode that came out right so yeah i'm kind of working ahead of myself i just realized my daughter's birthday is november 2nd that's not next week when this episode drops it's when the next episode drops of where we're going to do this combined thing so in Mm -hmm. other words on november 2nd when that show episode drops we're going to be talking about Star Trek news, if there's anything worth talking about, we'll, we'll talk about it there at the beginning, and then we'll go into our review of the first episode of Star Trek Prodigy. Then when we get into November, when Discovery Season 4 begins on the 18th of November, that next Tuesday, we will again go through news, anything worth talking about. And we haven't talked about this, so you guys are catching this live, live planning right now. I would guess the best thing to do is do discovery first and then prodigy afterwards for the Mm -hmm. reasons of there's some people who aren't getting prodigy and then they can just stop the podcast when we finish discovery. So they don't have to have to skip over prodigy to the end or anything. They can just skip the whole ending. That makes the most sense. Yeah, absolutely. So, so that's how we'll do it. We're, We're thinking about you guys that, you know, that can't get prodigy. We feel for you. We really do. We just hate that. But yeah, for sure. And of, of course, we're always looking for feedback as well, uh, both on our idea of how we're going to be doing this and then 
later on once we've kind of imp- implemented this, how it's going. You know, we love feedback. We love hearing from all of you about uh, what you feel is working, what you would like to see different. Uh, so, yeah, I'm just going to put it out there right now. Positivelytrek at gmail.com. Let us know your thoughts on our future plans and, and how you think the podcast's going and, and what you would like to see different. I'm glad you said that because, yeah, I, I'm very open and I know, of course, you are, too, to different ideas. We, You know, you may you guys may come back with something and say, hey, this is, you know, we'd rather have you do it this way. And we go, oh, wow, didn't even think about that. Or, oh, well, if you guys like it better that way, we'll do it that way. I'm sorry I keep saying guys. That's just, you know, my general way of talking. Guys and gals <laughs> and all of you people out there. So to that point, we've had some people say to us, hey, we, we like it when you interview an author but we also want to hear your thoughts. Well, we're going to kind of address some of that today. We did interview Dayton Ward on our book club episode that came out. But at the end of this episode, we're going to talk our final thoughts on Star Trek Coda book one. So you'll get to hear those. I'm curious to know what Dan has to say, because I've had some additional thoughts that were not mentioned on that show. And if Dayton's listening, I apologize. Oh, <laughs> No, it's not bad. Don't worry. Oh, dear. <laughs> That's like a little teaser. People go, oh, wait, I got to listen to that. Positivity on Positively Trek. Ooh. But we are going to also talk here on this episode about Prodigy coming up and our thoughts and speculations and things we've heard about Prodigy. And we're also... You know, that's from the producers and from Kate Mulgrew. And then we're going to talk about Mike McMahon revealing some details about Star Trek Lower Decks Season 3. So, yeah, lots to do there, Dan. Very excited. Good. Well, before we do that, our last flagship show, we were talking about pets. And I have to say that, Dan, I think just talking to you offline and everything, you were like, yeah, I just came up with this idea we're talking about pets and like it's not anything all that great i don't know just you know like i just got the feeling from you that you know it was a good topic but probably not a great topic but i think a lot of people loved it <laughs> i i actually picked it because i thought a lot of people would love it i uh oh, okay no yeah no i i everybody loves pets right so yeah no i i, I picked it because i thought uh you know Everybody loves our little furry friends and, and, you know, maybe not so furry if you're talking about fish or lizards, but, you know, yeah. Who doesn't like a good pet? <laughs> <laughs> well, we did miss some pets, which we thought we probably would. So, mm-hmm. Dan, what did we miss? Okay. So, first of all, thank you to our listeners for reaching out uh, on Facebook and Twitter about the pets that we missed. And uh, first of all, I, I'm I'm going to go in... Uh, I think chronological order, I guess, as far as in the Star Trek universe. Uh, so first of all, the very first piece of Star Trek that we ever get that wasn't initially aired, The Cage, the first episode with Pike, we were introduced to his horse, Tango. And yeah, we definitely a pet there, I think. And uh, thank you to Ruth Ann Amsden on Facebook for pointing that one out. We did miss that one. So yeah, Tango and his taste for sugar cubes. Yeah, that was a miss on our part for sure. Yeah, I saw that she posted that and I replied then about Kirk's horse in Generations Mm -hmm. on his uncle's farm because her post on Tango made me think of Kirk's horse. But I'm not even sure if it was Kirk's horse or his uncle's horse or whatever. Um, But I guess maybe that would be considered a pet, too. 
Yeah, for sure. I think so. Uh, Ruth also mentioned that her friend uh, who keeps sheep and goats wants to see sheep and goats in Star Trek. And there's a TNG episode in season two called Up the Long Ladder. And they're they're more livestock. I don't think they're really pets. But uh, we do see the Bring Lloydy are brought aboard the Enterprise and they have their livestock with them. And there's definitely oh, yeah. goats there. I don't remember if there's sheep. I could be wrong, but I, there are definitely goats among them there. So uh, I, I hesitate to recommend that episode for many reasons, but, <laughs> you know, pointer in that direction that there, there are at least some goats there for sure. <laughs> Ruth Ann, you need to get your friend to write into the producers of Star Trek requesting sheeps and ghosts, goats and episodes. We need mm-hmm. to see that. <laughs> Definitely. Well, moving on to Missed Pets, Wayne Fraser on Facebook pointed out a couple, the first of which, uh, well, first of all, uh, he accused us (laughs) of being, you know, dog lovers who ignore the cats. And there were a couple cats that we did ignore, unfortunately. Uh, The TOS episode Assignment Earth in season two features Gary Seven and his cat, and I put cat in quote marks here, Isis who I would contend is not really a pet as we see her transform into a woman at later in the episode. So maybe not a pet so much, but uh, definitely deserves an honorable mention. The cat Isis, especially Bruce, as you pointed out when we started recording this cat, Isis has shown up in the year five comics that we're talking about right now. So, you know, yeah, that was a big miss. Yeah. That really should have been fresh in my mind because of those comics reading those this past year. But yeah, to your point, I mean, that one could go either way, right? I mean, but I do feel that, yes, definitely an honorable mention. But in some ways, reading those comics, Isis seems to be a little more in control than Gary Seven. So I'm wondering if Gary Seven is actually Isis' pet. And we should there have mentioned you go. him, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But it also makes me think of the cat. Again, I don't know whose pet it would be, but didn't we have a cat? Oh, what's the name of the episode with the scary castle and TOS? You know, cat's the cat, paw, yeah. Cat's paw. Did we mention that one? We didn't, did we? We didn't. I, I, I thought of it when I was reading these uh, this feedback here. And I, I did think of Sylvia is one of the villain's names and she transforms herself into a, a massive cat at one point. So, yeah. yeah. But she's not really anybody's pet. So. No, I yeah, I don't don't think so, but uh, okay. yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, speaking of cats though, there was another cat and and this one not a major pet but also did deserve an honorable mention and we missed this cat Patches from the TNG episode The Bonding. This was Jeremy Astor's cat. Uh Jeremy Astor the the young man who lost his mother in that episode and gets adopted into Worf's family at the end. Uh, so presumably Patches is also a part of Worf's family uh, because of the ownership by Jeremy there. So interesting thought. There's there's a history of cat ownership in Worf's family, especially if you take into account the novels where he inherited Spot after Data's passing. <laughs> and remember, my prediction is that Worf has been killing the other Spots and replacing Spot oh, no, with forgot. a different cat. <laughs> and Data just can't figure out why Spot keeps changing. I would not have remembered the cat from this episode. I'm looking it up right now. I'm good. Okay. Yeah. I see the cat now. But Mm -hmm. yeah, that one, yeah, that one I would have totally missed, which I did, obviously, but 
Yeah. I didn't think of, of the cat at the time, but beautiful calico cat, if I'm remembering correctly. But Yes, yes. Multicolored. <laughs> well, this final one is actually very embarrassing that uh, we did miss. And uh, this was pointed out by Justin Ozer on Facebook and Twitter, uh, kind of giving us the double whammy of remembrance there. Butler. Kirk's dog from Star Trek Generations we see very briefly in the Nexus in that film. And I'm I'm kind of kicking myself for not thinking of this one because this is a pretty important one. The pet of a obviously main character. So yeah, that was that was a miss on our part, I think. Yeah, I was kicking myself for that one too. I was like, how can I not think of Butler? You know, <laughs> I mean it's like Kirk's <laughs> even so excited to see him. But we do, it's only brief. We don't see a whole lot of Butler. We get, you know, just a few seconds of a of a Butler scene. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. But yeah, that's no excuse. It's just, yeah, that one got by us. I knew there'd be some obvious ones like these that we would totally forget about. And I, I, even as we're talking through these, wasn't there a dog in the Voyager? Um, oh my gosh, what's the pilot called? Um for Voyager. I can't think Caretaker. of the Caretaker. Wasn't there a dog with the lady with the corn running around the picnic? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep. There was, there was a dog running around there for sure. So corn on the cob lady had a pet. Yeah, that's true. Speaking of Caretaker, uh, it was pointed out on the YouTube version of our podcast. I think it was Thomas Hill that pointed this out. Uh, Janeway's dog was an Irish setter. Not a Labrador, like I said. So uh, thank you for that. That was one that I forgot to put in the notes. But Bruce, because you brought up Caretaker, it triggered my memory and I remembered that. So thank you for pointing that one out. Well, and you know, there's still more pets that we're missing because even as we're talking, we still think of things and everybody's still thinking ones. There's still got to be ones out there that have not come up with, you know? Yeah, no, there's a there's a Voyager episode in season one called Ex Post Facto, and I just remember there's a little dog creature that's instrumental in clearing Tom Paris of murder charges in that episode because of the way the dog reacts to various people and there's like memory things going on. Yeah, there's there's little dogs and creatures and other pets all over the place that just randomly are popping into my head. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> well, my final pet that I remember now, and this is the last one I'm going to mention, this would be Captain Jean-Luc Picard because he's the pet of Q. Oh, yes. Yeah. And we did, we did put that little bit at the end of uh, last week's episode. If you, uh, if you listened right to the end, there's a little blooper where I'm kicking myself because I forgot to mention that. <laughs> <laughs> I love the little bloopers at the end. Again, if you guys like those, let us know. We'll keep doing those. Because believe me, we do get bloopers quite often. Yeah. And I mean, not every episode has some, but when we have a notable one, we like to stick it at the end of the episode. Uh, So it occurs to me, those of you who don't watch Star Trek Prodigy and are stopping the episode early, never know. You might want to just jump right to the last like 10 seconds of the episode just to see if there's something there. But. You know, you never know. Yes. And if there's nothing there, oh, well, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry about that. We we were too perfect that day at recording. (laughs) I'm rolling my eyes. (laughs) Just like my daughters do to me. See, now I got you rolling your eyes at me. (laughs) 
it just keeps happening. I will tell you this, people. I'm going to put it out there for you right now. We recorded with Dayton and about Coda Book One, as you may have already heard. And Dayton did reach out to us about something and said, hmm, just occurred to me, maybe we shouldn't have talked about this one thing. So it was edited out. Yes, edited out. It's like but I it think never happened. Like it never happened. And I'm sure you're wondering, ooh, what did he say? What, what did he reveal? Well, I think we might release that little clip. It's nothing big earth shattering, so don't get your hopes up too much. But I think we might release that as a patron exclusive after all three books come out. It's so, entirely possible. <laughs> yes. And if it doesn't, just ask us and then we'll tell you. But don't ask us before because we're not telling. Uh-uh. No way. We're the only ones that Dayton spoiled the books on. <laughs> it's not that big. Don't worry. So let's talk about Prodigy. And again, if you don't want to know anything about Prodigy before it comes out, then don't listen to this. Go have an ice cream cone or something like Tilly and Rutherford would do. So there's this interview. <laughs> Did Tilly and Rutherford ever meet? <laughs> no, I'm sorry, not Tilly. I meant Tendi. <laughs> Although that would be cute, right? Tilly and Rutherford hanging out. <laughs> you know why I probably said Tilly is because I was just watching, and I don't remember the name, but it was episode nine of season two of Discovery, where, um, wait, what was that about? But anyway, there's a lot of Tilly in there. Oh, with uh, Arium. Arium's death and all that stuff. Oh, man. Oh, yeah, that that fun episode <laughs> yes i was watching that you know why i was watching because i did that thing i do with siri like you know give me a number between one and ten to pick mm. the series and then the episode and that's nice. why i was watching that one but there was some good tilly moments in there and that's why tilly's on my mind so mm. anyway sorry about that tendy i apologize someday i'll slip your name in for tilly sometime just to make it up for you so there was an interview that trek movie did with star trek prodigy producers those brothers guys, Kevin and Dan, is it Hageman? Hageman. Mm -hmm. Hageman. See, I had it right the first time. And uh, so I thought we'd just kind of look through what they had to say to trekmovie.com about what's coming up on Prodigy. So the question was asked if this was something that they came up with or that the studio came to them and say, create a show for us. And they said it was really Secret Hideout came to them and said, we would love to figure out how, we would love to figure out an entry point for the Star Trek universe for a younger audience. And so Dan and Kevin got together and they came back with this idea and everybody was enthusiastic about it. So it sounds like this is their original idea that it probably wasn't changed much at all from what they presented. Yeah, I think it's interesting the the genesis of this that you know the producers or or the the studio went to them and said you know we're looking for an idea for how to bring younger audiences into Star Trek and I, I love this just little bit of insight into how that all came about and they talk a bit about you know throwing around ideas and trying to come up with the direction of it and. My favorite quote here is Dan Hageman says, uh, the first thing we would say very early, early on is we don't want to work on little Kirk and little Spock, you know, that's kind of where maybe your mind goes when you're thinking like, oh, young Star Trek, maybe we take the characters and look at their youth or something like that. And uh, as Kevin says, that sounds like it would be a terrible show. <laughs> so, you know, this idea of 
teaching kids, teaching this group of kids that are outside of Starfleet, outside of the usual people that we see about what Starfleet is and, and that kind of thing. I It sounds like a really fascinating show, first of all, to work on, to to kind of build from the ground up. And, and second of all, to watch as a viewer. I'm really excited for this. Yeah, I don't really know the depth of their Star Trek knowledge. And that's not a criticism. I mean, if they don't have a huge depth of knowledge, I mean, I'm sure they do have knowledge of a lot of Star Trek things, obviously. Well, based on everything we've seen before, it, it's quite deep. They, they're okay. very big fans and know quite a bit about Star Trek. Yeah. But my point is that they said that they felt like they couldn't write an episode of something like Voyager, for example. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, this is, this is a nice position for them because it's exploring Star Trek through the eyes of characters that aren't familiar with Starfleet and the Federation. So it gives them a chance to help the audience who's watching discover and learn more about the Star Trek universe that they wouldn't know before because they're viewing it through the eyes of characters that also don't know. So that is a mm-hmm. good entry point for, for these young children. And it, I don't know, it, sometimes it bothers me a little when people say, oh, this is the first time we're doing a show for kids and for Star Trek. And it's like, but the animated series, the intention was it's a show for kids because it was put on Saturday mornings. At least that was the network's intention. Now the writers were approaching is, well, this is just Star Trek. You know, I'm not dumbing it down, which they didn't. Thank goodness. But it, the target audience was kids. Yeah. Well, and also speaking of not dumbing it down, that's one of the other things from this interview that I really appreciate is, you know, they're approaching this as Star Trek, right? It's not like a, a dumbed down version of Star Trek for kids. It's the best parts of Star Trek and maybe not including some of the parts of Star Trek that are a little inappropriate for kids, you know, not doing those episodes. But 90% of the Star Trek out there, episodes of, of whatever series are appropriate for kids. And that's kind of what they're focusing on and just making that show here. And it should be said also it's canon, right? It's part of the Star Trek universe. They're part of the story going forward. They know that that whatever they do has to fit in with the canon and, and what we expect of the Star Trek universe. It's not an offshoot. It's not something that is just like in its own little world. It's part of the wider universe. And it sounds like they're taking that responsibility very seriously. And, and that really fills me with a lot of hope for the series. Yeah, I'm really excited that they're considering all that and they are taking it seriously and they're not dumbing it down. And as we know from our friend, David Mack, who's a Star Trek author that he says, you know, this is the most excited he's been of anything new Star Trek since deep space nine. Mm-hmm. And that's saying a lot. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, someone whose opinion I, I very much value. And, and if he's excited, I mean, I'm even more excited than I already was. <laughs> <laughs> And it's not that he's excited just like, you know, oh, he's seen some of the clips. He's actually been involved in the show. He's been a consultant. So he knows what's coming. He he knows what's happening with this show. So, yeah, I'm I'm excited. We should probably have him on at some point. I mean, we're going to have him on about book three of Coda. Mm-hmm. But uh, oh, at that time, we should ask him about Prodigy at that point. Oh, I, I fully intend to. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> 
So, and then also Captain Janeway, they were asked about, uh, was this a character they always considered? And they said, 100%, we knew it was Kate right away. So that's pretty cool. That's interesting that they had that idea in mind, you know, right from the beginning. I I love this question. Are there going to be other appearances of other hologram characters from Star Trek? And Kevin Hageman answers, Let's just say, yes, there will be other holograms, but I don't want to make it sound like legacy characters who might show up on our show are going to be holograms. Our kids are starting in the Delta Quadrant and they're venturing into Federation space, the Federation space of all the other shows at that time period. So we might see real characters coming in, not as holograms. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Excellent. (laughs) (laughs) The doctor's got to be there at some point. (laughs) <laughs> oh, for sure. Absolutely. Uh, I also love, uh, and and this isn't spoiling anything, this has been announced, Robert Beltran is reprising his role as Chakotay, uh, this time as Captain Chakotay, and they ask the question here that I've been hearing a lot of speculation about. Like, is Captain Chakotay part of the original crew of the Protostar, the ship they find in this? And Kevin says... Uh, nice question, but we can't tell you anything except you're wrong on them being the former Protostar crew. So I've seen a lot of people speculating that, and apparently that's not the case. So interesting. That's mm-hmm. interesting. I'm really hoping that we're going to see Captain Chakotay on Voyager. We have got to see Voyager. That, that would be really cool. Oh my cool. gosh. Oh my gosh flip out right (laughs) that's definitely a flip out moment because earlier in the interview kevin said he says okay i'm gonna read it right here our kids are starting in the delta quadrant and they're venturing into federation space so that is something we've discussed we're like hmm we're seeing these different characters or aliens from the alpha quadrant it sounds like the ship is in the delta quadrant but they're going to go back to the alpha quadrant And apparently this confirms that. I don't know if we've actually heard from the creators of the show that confirmed that before, but we are going to go into the Alpha Quadrant. So there's plenty of opportunities to see Voyager or the Enterprise E or Deep Space Nine, you know, the Cerritos maybe. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm excited to see all that. So, and in addition to that, they did an interview with Kate Mulgrew about her playing Janeway. And we've seen interviews with Kate where she has mentioned before that, you know, she was asked to do this, was a little hesitant, maybe just briefly, but, you know, this is a character she really loves and wanted to go back into and loves the idea of bringing kids into the fold. Yeah, I like the enthusiasm she's shown for being that mentor type character and and bringing a younger audience and a younger generation into what Star Trek's all about. And whenever she talks about that, I I really envy her role there. And and I think she's perfect for it, for sure. So I think that we're going to see her as the hologram Janeway and then the real Janeway. Because, and we may even see the real Janeway interact with the hologram Janeway at some point. (laughs) Now, that would be interesting. That would be pretty cool, yeah. So what was also mentioned in this interview is that the first episode is a two-parter. So I guess we'll see part one and then a week later, part two. But Kate got to see both parts at the premiere. And now, wait, when she talks about the premiere, she's talking about New York Comic Con, right? 
Mm-hmm. So now you're okay. We know the first episode that's coming on Thursday is an hour long. So is does oh. the, so you're saying part one is an hour and part two is a half hour or no, I was just assuming when they say it was a two part, I was thinking that they were dividing into two parts, but you're right. I do remember hearing that the first is an hour. So it is the two probably together. Okay. That makes more sense to me. That was my assumption. I thought maybe you'd heard something different. So. No, I was just assuming when she said there was a two, it's a two part episode. I was picturing the two separated. So I thought, Oh, I don't know. Maybe it is, you know, an hour part one and an hour part two, but I don't think so. I think it no, probably part, is the two the together. Second week is a half hour for sure. That's we've, we've known that for a while. And what's the name of that episode? Do we know? I don't know. <laughs> Do we know the ep- name of the premiere episode? I, I don't have the insights like David Mack does. I'm afraid. Dang. No. <laughs> I'm going to look on IMDb just to see if they post anything, but it doesn't mean it's right. Right. Doesn't mean anything like that, but I'm just looking real quick. So, the name of the episode is, and you heard it here first, is Lost and Found. Ooh, I like it. Or maybe you didn't hear it here first for those who are listening, but it's the first <laughs> we've heard. <laughs> Which makes sense if it was premiered at New York Comic Con, that people, that name would be out there. People would know it. So, Lost and Found. Okay, cool. All right, we're good to go. So, Dan, are you going to watch this Thursday? Nah, probably not. Yeah, of course I'm going to watch. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, those of you who uh, are going to be watching, it will, of course, be on Paramount Plus in the United States and in Canada on CTV Sci-Fi and Crave, the streaming service. So very, very excited for this. Uh, hopefully we know international stuff soon. But, uh, yeah. I'm really, really excited for Prodigy. And I don't recall how they're doing this, but we also heard that it was going to be on Nickelodeon, on the cable network Nickelodeon. I don't recall if it's premiering the same day, though, or if it's like a week later or something. Do you remember? No, they they announced months ago that it would be airing on Nickelodeon after uh, it premieres on Paramount+. Plus. As far as when, I'm not sure, but it's not airing the same time, no. Okay. So those of you who don't have Paramount Plus and don't subscribe to it, which I can't believe you don't because you're missing all this other stuff. But if you don't, then look for it on Nickelodeon on cable or satellite and it should be coming to you soon, hopefully. <sighs> Let's talk about Lower Decks. Mike McMahon. I mean, I was a little surprised how much information he's revealed. And if anybody doesn't want to know about anything, you probably do want to skip this. <laughs> Weren't you a little surprised, Dan, when you read this, how much he's revealed in season three? I mean, I was just kind of surprised. Yeah, he's kind of an open book here, which is really interesting. And uh, I mean, he's saying all the right things for me. I'm so excited for season three coming off the high of season two. Um, Yeah, like there's I think more than what we saw in season one, there's, there's a lot of dangling stuff that just is begging to be picked up in season three. And it looks like that's going to happen. Yeah. That the Klingons are, or a Klingon is pulling the strings with the pack leads, which led to the arrest of captain Freeman. And of course, I mean, that's no surprise when it says to be continued that we're going to revisit that storyline and find, find out more about why, they're doing what they're doing and 
and in a lot of ways, after I was actually looking at this article, and actually Mike McMahon has talked to def- different outlets, io9 and sci-fi, but again, Trek Movie has put a great summary of those different interviews into their piece here. But I, I started to wonder, was like, why frame Captain Freeman? Like, what would the Klingons or the Packlids get from that? Like, they're, you know, it's just one captain of one ship. What, what's the point in framing her? What advantage is it to them? Well, the advantage, I, guess, I assume, would be to deflect suspicion from them. Like, it probably, it's probably convenience because she was on the Packlet homeworld and they were able to plant evidence and, and deflect blame from them, would be my guess. I thought that, or maybe they didn't get a discount at the store <laughs> on the Cerritos for their items. <laughs> I still love the the guy in the packlet and the t-shirt for the USS Cerritos. <laughs> I'm on the record. I want an action figure of that guy in that shirt. I I will not be, be silent about this. I want that. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine you wearing that as a shirt and having the action figure Holding at the same time. <laughs> that would be great. And then Rutherford. Okay. So we are obviously going to get some information on that, which I'm really curious about. I think it was good that they pointed out this is not his first implant. This is his second. Mm-hmm. So any predictions on that based on what we talked about last time? Oh, I have no idea. I'm I'm really curious to find out who implanted it and why. Uh, yeah, all of those dangling threads. I'm just really excited to find out what that's all about. Yes, so that's good news that we will find out about that. But the other thing, Dan, I couldn't help but think of you to Lynn makes a return. And you were hoping for that big time. Yeah, I'm so excited. Me and, and about, you know, a million other people on the internet for sure. Uh, to Lynn, the Vulcan officer from the episode Way Douge, Very, very, very cool. Interesting quote by Mike McMahon here where he says, you will see Talyn again, but her story does not take her to the Cerritos anytime soon. So uh, she's not going to be on the Cerritos, at least not right away. So uh, we won't see that, but I'm so glad we're going to see that character again. Yeah, and this fact that he says not anytime soon does sound like well i guess she is going to get the cerritos at some point that's at least in the plans i would say could be yeah well if she goes to the cerritos she will see mariner and jennifer dating which again is something we speculated because there's some flirtatiousness there going on between the two of them and i like this because i think with the character mariner that she has this whole wall and built up and tries to distance herself we've seen her have relationships with her friends but what happens if Meredith starts dating someone i think she could be somebody that's difficult to date because of those walls <laughs> i would imagine yeah there's there's some psychological issues and 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 that sort of thing that you know would make her possibly difficult to be in a long-term relationship with so i'm curious to see how this all works out and uh, the fact that it's with Jennifer, I think, is really great, given their kind of antagonistic relationship beforehand. To see that progress into this, that's pretty cool. I'll tell you one thing. Dating uh, Andorian, mm, I'd be a little careful because they can be a bit uh, 
aggressive <laughs> and pissed off easily <laughs> sometimes. I'm also excited to see if they make it, you know, strict canon somehow, if they're able to do this, the four Andorian sexes. I think yeah. that could be really cool. Oh my gosh. Why did you say that? Because now I really want that. <laughs> <laughs> and if they don't do it, I'll be really upset. Uh, Mike McMahon, I know you don't listen, but even if you are listening, you've got to do this. The four sexes. You'd have fun with that. Seriously, because the next thing I want to mention is Shax and Tiana, and you're going to have fun with that, too, because you say in here when you talk with the ready room that we may want to loosen our collars while watching this episode because it gets spicy. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know <laughs> if I want to see this or not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Shax and, and Tiana, I, I love those two together. I, I think this is going to be a lot of fun. I, I love that kind of build up that we see like little hints in season one and season two. Yeah. They're, they're pretty uh, tight and season three, apparently, as he says, it gets a little spicy. So, all right, I'm on board. It's a good thing. He's alive again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I, I want to just ask you that real quick. Do you ever want to find out how he was brought back to life? No, I think it's perfect the way it was done because that's the whole point of the series, right? The lower deckers don't get to know that stuff. They're, I, I, I think it would be unfortunate if we ever learn that because the fact that we just don't know really puts us in the shoes of the lower deckers and is the whole point of the show. I agree. And when I say I don't want to know, I don't want to know in a novel. I don't want to know in a comic. I don't want to know in a video game. I want to know nothing. I want to always be a mystery. Yep, absolutely. Good. We're on the same page with that, which isn't unusual because usually we're on the same page with most things. <laughs> but uh, the last thing was also with io9 and the ready room. It was made clear that whatever's going on with Captain Freeman Sounds like it would be resolved fairly quickly, maybe in the premiere episode or shortly after that. So I don't think we're going to see Captain Freeman in jail for the whole for next season of Lower Decks. No, definitely not, uh, according to this, for sure. So, yeah, she's she's going to be back in charge of the Cerritos pretty quickly, I think. And And as this interview says here... You know, she doesn't want to be anywhere else either. So even once she's cleared of all this, which I assume she will be, she'll be back on the command chair of the Cerritos and not some bigger, better ship. I can't think of a single ship that would be better than the Cerritos. Except for... No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, now, Dan, you want to talk about Coda Book One? Sure. <laughs> so I want to ask you, have you started reading book two yet? I haven't. No, I'm I'm reading our next book for our book club episode, uh, The Lost Era, The Buried Age. Uh, and I'm not finished that one yet. So I haven't gotten a chance for book two of Coda yet. No. Okay. So I guess I kind of revealed this, but we do have early copies of book two. I couldn't not, I, I had to, I had to start reading it right away. So I'm almost done. <laughs> oh, wow. So, and then I'm going to go to the buried age, buried age, which I've read before, but I have to refresh my memory on that. And I might have to go back to book two again <laughs> and reread it before we talk to James <laughs> Swallow. So there's a lot of reading going on in there. 
So, yeah, I just wanted to get a start on The Buried Age because it's such a long book. <laughs> I know. I'm trying to think when I'm going to get that done. <laughs> but I'm trying to hurry through book two because, like I said, I'm almost done. So I'll, I'll, maybe I'll get to The Buried Age today as we're recording, which is on a Saturday here. So we'll see. But uh, so Coda. Okay. Book one. My thoughts, I'm just going to start off right away with I, I'm really into this series. I'm really loving the first i love the first book i'm really loving the second book too i love how it's tying up loose ends in this continuity the one thing i was a little disappointed with but it's working well so i'm not upset about it but first going into this book and even based on what dayton was saying is it does have that crisis of infinite earths and end game kind of vibe to it and i was just like does every universe have to you know, transfer from one universe to another in this manner. Like I was kind of hoping doing something a little different that other franchises aren't doing. And now it kind of feel like it's repeating a little, but I'm liking it a lot because it's really working and it works probably, it works really well in Star Trek based on other things we've seen in books and in the series with timelines and stuff that works really well. Yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying that aspect of it. Um, I'm not familiar with Crisis on Infinite Earth, so I'm not sure what aspects are are the same as that. I don't know. Um, I'm not seeing a lot of crossover between this and Endgame and and that sort of thing, and mostly because I don't know how they're going to resolve the the Coda stuff. I don't know how it's all going to transition into the new universe and, and that sort of thing. So uh, that to me is still a mystery. I'm, I'm not sure how this is all going to resolve, but the, what we've seen so far, which again is just like a little piece of the larger story and, you know, we don't know how it's going to end. Uh, I'm really enjoying it. I, I I'm on board with uh, what they want to do here and, and, I'm trusting these guys to tell a really cool story that's been, you know, they've been working on it for the last two years. So uh, I, I really can't wait to see where it all goes. Yeah, me too. I Again, I'm really loving it. I'm just saying my initial thought was, oh gosh, we're going to do infinite earth thing kind of thing, whatever. But I'm loving this. So I'm glad they went the direction they went in. I will say that, like, again, not knowing Crisis on Infinite Earths myself, uh, Dayton Ward in in our interview pushed back against the idea that this was like crisis on infinite earths and and saying that people have been making that comparison but he doesn't really see it that way so yeah and i would say it's not like a copy or anything but it, it just there's just aspects of it that kind of remind you of it obviously if other people are thinking it's just you know remind you of that 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 setup but again i'm loving it and what i think is going on again we're going to spoilers obviously but I think what's going on is I'm, I keep thinking about Riker recently and he seems to, I'm not sure if he's the Riker from this timeline, this continuity. I think he's from a different timeline because, and maybe I, I don't know. See, this is the problem because I'm reading book two. <laughs> I'm trying to remember, wait, am I going too far or is this something? But and I shouldn't just say Riker, but I've been thinking about Riker. I've been thinking about Worf and some other characters. I'm just wondering, oh, and Crusher, Dr. Crusher. I'm just wondering if these are characters, if people are somehow being moved from one timeline to another. Because mm-hmm. like Crusher at the beginning of the book has like a dizziness to her and she doesn't mm-hmm. understand why. And it's like, 
well, that's kind of similar to Worf and Parallels. Like, I'm just wondering uh, if okay. characters are moving from timeline to timeline and they're, all these timelines are kind of merging together and being intertwined and people are going in and out and not everybody is who you think they are. Because I've heard speculation where people say that certain characters that have died, well, are they really dead? You know, And it's like, we could see a character that died that came back just because their counterpart in another universe has merged into this one <laughs> you know like i think hmm. there's something weird like that going on interesting i hadn't thought of that that's kind of cool so do you think they're going to collapse the timeline by the time all these books are done well we know basically the only thing we know is by the end things are going to match up to the canon timeline that's all we know so i i have no idea <laughs> i don't i don't know how they're going to do that at all well what i'm hoping for so this is my prediction. What I'm hoping for this timeline still exists in some capacity that's not destroyed or just totally gone away or something. Um, even though we won't get any more books into it, that it could just, you know, the timeline still exists. But I, I, I don't know. I don't know. But overall, what are your final thoughts on book one? Well, I mean, I pretty much the same as what I shared in, in the episode we talked about it, where uh, I, I really enjoyed this, this story and I'm, I'm really fascinated to see where it goes after this. It was definitely emotional and, and hard hitting and action packed and terrific. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what more really to add than what I, what I shared there. I, I really, really enjoyed this story for sure. Yeah, I'm, I've really enjoyed the story. I want it to continue into book two and three, which is going really well so far for me with book two. I love how it's resolving all the different storylines that we're getting in other books and different characters we've got in different books. And it does seem to fit and come together. Like this was a natural progression. Like it's almost as if they've been planning this for years, but it's just working out so beautifully. And I feel like this is going to be the cap that we need to this timeline, investing 20 years into it. So I'm giving this book five out of five crushers from different universes. Nice. That's really good. Yeah, as far as a rating, I, I don't know. I, I, I still want to hold off, I think, until I've read the whole story. But it's it's right now it's holding at a steady, uh, very high rating. <laughs> nice. Well, if people want to talk about Coda with you, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Kurtrats. That's K-E-R-T-R-A-T-S and YouTube.com slash Kurtrats Productions. All right. I'm on Twitter at Admiral underscore Rex. That's Admiral with the underline Rex. And you can find me occasionally on the Star Wars Report and Literary Tracks. And please feel free to email us at PositivelyTrek at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter at PositivelyTrek, also Instagram. And of course, look for us on Patreon become a patron and you can get some episodes early every once in a while and some exclusive content every once in a while and a big thank you from us and also uh, look for a goodreads group where we have a discussion of um, and post our books for the book club in there so you know what's coming up like the buried age which is coming up next week so check that out so our next episode will be us talking about the first episode of prodigy how exciting is that Ooh, i'm excited i really cannot wait for this series and uh you know ruth tell your friend this might be where we get more sheep and goats i i don't know how they'll figure into prodigy but you never know what a perfect series for sheeps and goats 
Absolutely. <laughs> well, thanks everyone for listening. And until next time, stay positive. Sit, Ubu, sit. Good dog. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.